From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. This week, it was all about... Russia. Russia meeting... Russia. Russia. Inside Putin's Russia. 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 Jared Kushner met with congressional investigators about his meetings with officials from Russia. I did not collude with Russia, nor do I know of anyone else in the campaign who did so. There was reaction to the veto-proof sanctions passed by Congress on Russia. Russian officials are blasting a vote in Congress for a new package of sanctions. And congressional committees continued to hold hearings and meetings about Russia. It's hard for me to understand why the Magnitsky Act still sticks in the craw of Russia. With each day, we learn a little more about that country's actions in the U.S., with a lot of the focus on what Russia did during the recent presidential election. But we also need to understand why. And with me to do that is Seva Gudnitsky. He's an associate professor of political science at the University of Toronto. He joins by Skype. And WNYC's Andrea Bernstein. And Seva, you've been following the ties between Russia and the United States for a while. What do you think are the motivations behind Russia's actions? Well, I think it's hard to even say that there is such a thing as Russia or its motivations. It's not a monolithic entity. And so there are parallel and overlapping motivations. But one thing that does jump out at me, at least in the coverage that I've seen in the U.S., is Putin looms very large. Uh, And he is, in a way, the perfect antagonist for this story, this shadowy puppet master. And uh, certainly he's not anything like an innocent bystander. Certainly he plays an important role. But I think if you want to get at the roots of the connections between Donald Trump and Russia, you have to look at where his links actually start. And Trump's links with Russia do not start with Putin. They start with a lot of Russian oligarch money coming into Trump's businesses since the 1990s and even earlier, well before Putin, well before Trump developed any serious political ambition. And uh, many of these people Trump has been working with for a while. People like Felix Sater, a Russian businessman with a criminal past. People like Agalarov, whose business partner was in that now infamous meeting with Don Jr. last summer. So these are people who have parallel interests as a Kremlin, but they don't have identical interests necessarily. And is the connection there then that this is all about money? Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's all about money. Clearly, there are important political implications, if only because Donald Trump is now president. And of course, the hacking campaign and the trolling campaigns, those are all crucial. But again, if you want to understand what binds Trump to Russia and why he's been so strangely consistent on Russia, then I think money is really the answer. Well, there's one name that we hear often when you start digging into uh, Russian connections in the United States. It's Prevazon. Can you tell me more about the company and why it matters? You might remember Natalia Veselnitskaya. She is the Russian lawyer who initiated this meeting with Donald Trump Jr. She is the lawyer for Prevazan. Now, Prevazan is this company linked to the Russian elite. And it was accused by the U.S. government of laundering really hundreds of millions of dollars through New York City real estate. And uh, the New York attorney's office had been preparing a massive case against Prevazan for years, actually. Uh, Preet Bharara was the person in charge of the case. And, uh, of course, he was fired in March. Uh, But a week before the trial was supposed to start in May, the case was suddenly settled by the government. And it was settled, I should say, essentially on Prevazan's terms. Vysilnitska, the woman who set up the meeting, she was, of course, very happy about the settlement. She said the case was settled on Russian terms. That's the direct quote. And she promised there'd be more like that. So if you're looking for any sort of sign of a quid pro quo from that meeting, that might be a place to look. Well, Andrew, to bring you in here, there are signs that investigators are looking more closely at the money. Yes. As a matter of fact, follow the money has become the buzzword this week. Just on Thursday, there was a hearing by the Senate Judiciary Committee, which brought a number of these issues to the forefront. It was ostensibly a hearing about 
unregistered foreign agents. But what happened is that Bill Browder, who was one of the first U.S. businessmen to invest in Russia as it began to open up, we're talking decades ago, ended up crossing swords with Vladimir Putin. And it was his employee, Sergei Magnitsky, the Magnitsky Act is named after him. And this ties right back to the Prevazon case because Magnitsky in Russia was investigating what happened. And he found out that the Russians had stolen $230 million from the Russian state. This is the money that came in to the lower Manhattan real estate and that the U.S. attorney for the Southern District charged money laundering for. So this was Bill Browder, who was speaking in very, very clear terms. In a kleptocracy like Russia and other countries, the way that the world works is that the president of the country allows certain people to get rich. He often gets a share of the wealth of those people. And then he um, can rely on those people to do the state's bidding in situations where it may not be appropriate or they may not want to show the government's face. And that's why Putin was lobbying so hard and why it appears that the Russian government was involved in setting up this meeting with the Trump campaign because they were trying to overturn these very sanctions. But this goes further than just what the Senate Judiciary Committee is doing. We also have heard in the past week that the special counsel, Bob Mueller, is beginning to investigate some of these financial deals, both with respect to the Trumps and their dealings with the Russians, also with respect to Deutsche Bank, which is a bank that Trump has done business with, uh, and Paul Manafort looking at his New York real estate deals. And we also know that the New York Attorney General is looking at that and the Manhattan DA. And here we are again, just like Prevazon, it involves money that ends up in questionable circumstances in real estate right here in lower Manhattan. Seva, there are so many names to try and keep track of. It's like an enormous chessboard. All of this talk about oligarchs and the money, it raises this question, is Russia a mafia state? Uh, that's a good question. I think often when we hear the term the mafia state, it can give us the wrong connotation because we think of people in leather jackets and baseball bats. And uh, the kinds of people we're talking about in Russia, they have suitcases. They don't have baseball bats. We think of organized crime as something that exists outside the state and against the state. And that's not the case here. The lines between political and economic power are so fuzzy that the distinction between legal and illegal uh, becomes very hard to maintain. Andrew, does this underline why it's so important for a president to divest from their businesses or to be really transparent about their their taxes, their income? Yes, exactly, in a word. It is why it is so important because every time a new relationship emerges, every time a question about a past business deal comes up, without clear 100% divestment and transparency, there is always a question, whose interest is this in? Is it in the interest of Donald Trump the person or is it in the interest of the United States of America? Andrea Bernstein is WNYC's Senior Editor for Politics and Policy, and Seva Gudnitsky is an Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Toronto. Thank you both for joining. Thank you. Thanks. And I'm Charlie Herman, and this is Money Talking from WNYC.